When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Beth, and I'm alone again today, and I'm going to be doing something similar to the podcast that I put out about a week ago called, Are You Too Positive or Too Negative? And I have so many notes on little topics and short spiels that I've been wanting to share with you all, and I'm trying to make those happen one by one. So... The topic for today relates to avoidance and how avoidance relates to mental health. And as usual, I have several title ideas for different podcasts and I often ask my publisher which one he likes better. And sometimes I ask friends and family because I have trouble making decisions, which is part of the ADD brain. (laughs) So, um, I thought about calling this today, five reasons to face your fears. And then of course that becomes like 10 reasons to face fears. But really what I want to ask you to think about today is what are you avoiding? And to understand the distinction between healthy avoidance and unhealthy avoidance. So that might sound kind of strange to say it that way, but another way to put it is, are you avoiding something healthy for you or something unhealthy for you? For instance, if you're told that there's a building with asbestos, asbestos, uh, I don't know how you say it, but I think it's asbestos, then you should avoid that building. Um, If there's a dangerous situation, you should avoid, you know, going outside when it's hailing or there's a tornado watch. Um, With people, it gets a little bit trickier because sometimes we do need to face conflicts and issues with people that might be toxic or emotionally abusive. Sometimes we need to avoid those people. So that's a little bit tricky um, and probably something for another uh, podcast that might take a long time. But um, just to drive the point home, I really love to ask clients and anyone that I care about, what is healthy and best for you? And your job is to do what's healthy and best. It's not always what you want, because sometimes we want to do things that are not healthy for us or good for us. So really thinking about healthy in the long run for our development, for our growth, and to make us stronger. So It's very, very understandable and common when you're anxious or scared to want to avoid things that are triggering or that make you feel worried or scared. But it's really hard to grow if you don't put yourself out of your comfort zone. So a few things that I wrote down, um, if you're avoiding something that could make you healthier, whether it's a person or an experience or a new situation 
or even putting yourself out there in spite of the chance of rejection, then that probably isn't healthy. So many people have social anxiety or they underestimate themselves in some way, and they're just afraid of taking a risk. So I'm going to give you a recent clinical example in my practice. I have been leading a teenage girls group for the last few months, and it's been really cool. Um, And I was telling a high school student about the group to see um, if she might want to join the group. I was already working with her in individual therapy. And she hesitated when I told her about the group. And she was kind of leaning towards a no. And so I asked her, you know, what is your reason for saying no? Is that because you don't think it's healthy for you? For instance, that she didn't have time in her schedule or she really needed to just focus on individual therapy and didn't think group therapy would be helpful? Or was it because she was nervous about the unknown and just wanting to avoid the anxiety associated with something new? And after I talked to her for uh, about it for a few minutes, she got kind of a sheepish grin and she said, yeah, I think I'm avoiding it because I'm a bit nervous. And so I just clarified because I didn't want to pressure her in an unhealthy way. And I just said, so you think it would be good for you um, and that, you know, it's probably a healthy thing for you to try, but you're just nervous. And she said, yes. And so I said, well, are you brave enough to try it then? And she said, yes. And she did. And she really enjoyed it. So do you think that made her world bigger or smaller? And do you think that made her feel stronger or weaker? I think when we avoid scary situations, again, it's very understandable and we get relief initially, but then there's regret or then we feel weaker. And so what we tell ourselves in these situations matters a lot. We call this self-talk or the automatic thoughts in our head, kind of like the devil and the angel on your shoulder. I use that example from cartoons a lot. Um, So what are we telling ourselves and what are we afraid of? And really, most of the time, those things that we fear often don't happen. But when they do happen, they're not as bad as we typically think. I have worked with a surprising number of people over the years who had a fear of throwing up. And almost all of them would say, you know, I lived in fear of throwing up for years. I mean, if they'd be on an athletic team and somebody started coughing really hard or, you know, they would think that someone was going to throw up and sort of get panicky or um, maybe, you know, during practice, they might have someone throw up from overexertion and they knew that that wasn't contagious, um, but they still would just get very fight or flight kind of panicky um, and irrational about the throw up. But most of them just lived in fear of throwing up for years. And then maybe after four years of dreading it, they would end up getting a stomach bug and say, you know, that really wasn't that bad. I can't believe I had so much anxiety about this for the last few years. So, um, you know, a lot of people with anxiety have vivid imaginations and they're very creative and they can really make things seem bigger than they are in their head. We call that sometimes catastrophizing. So um, 
Let's see. I had another example I wanted to share. Um, so sometimes my kids, there are social situations where I'll tell my kids, hey, why don't you invite someone over? And they worry about, oh, well, what if they say no? Um, and, you know, I get rejected. And I say, well, at least they're going to be flattered that you invited them, even if they can't come. I mean, what's really the worst thing that can happen? And there's there's a good chance people are going to have plans and they can't come. Is that really the end of the world um, if someone can't come or says no? Can you handle that? And yes, you can. Um, one of my kids doesn't like to make suggestions for what to do with friends because they're afraid that it won't be a good idea or it will sound stupid. And, um, you know, I, of course, we want other people to think of ideas and put themselves out there, but sometimes we don't want to do that ourselves. So, um, again, I think that kind of thing just makes your world feel smaller and you're avoiding something that would be a healthy growth and um, not underestimating yourself, which is also listed as a common trait of someone with anxiety to underestimate their ability to cope. Also, a lot of individuals that have depression have feelings of worthlessness, so they may underestimate themselves as well. So isn't it frustrating and horrible when someone underestimates you? Have you ever had a parent or a coach or a teacher or a friend that just really didn't realize um, how capable you are? So what about when you underestimate yourself? Have you ever thought about the message you send to yourself when you avoid doing something that you're perfectly capable, capable of doing or handling? There's a really cool little book. In fact, I have it right here on my table. It's called Do One Thing Every Day That Scares You. Um, and I, I actually bought the journal. Um, and I think it's a really nice way to kind of slowly increase your tolerance for putting yourself out there. And maybe you could view that a bit like a muscle. When we work out, we try to slowly increase the weights so that we can handle more and get bigger muscles. So with things that are out of our comfort zone or a little bit scary, the more you do, the, the more strong you become, the stronger you become. And the more you believe in yourself and your world does expand and become bigger. So um, I had just a couple more things. Um, a few more examples of things that people avoid. Sometimes people avoid counseling because it's an unknown and it's new. That's totally understandable. It is kind of scary to go meet some counselor and a stranger and start talking to them about personal issues. That is very courageous to do that. And it can feel very very strange. Um, but I think it's worth a try if you feel that you need it. A lot of people avoid painful feelings because they feel that they can't handle them. They might be afraid if they start crying, they will never stop. They might be scared to journal. But you know what most people report is that not only are things often not as big as they thought, they don't cry as long as they thought, um, the journal doesn't quite seem as bad as the thoughts that were in their head that they're journaling about. Um, 
I've even noticed that people that avoid dealing with issues sometimes dream about them. I've seen this with myself. Some unresolved issue, I have dreams about it because my brain and my body are trying to get me to work through it instead of internalizing it. Um, so, and, you know, just emotional pain is hard to face, but the, the pain of it doesn't last forever. In fact, I think it may be an hour of dealing with pain, whether that be crying or therapy or journaling or talking to a friend, that hour of difficulty leads to many, 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 many hours of peace and less burden that you carry with you. Sometimes I tell people, don't become, don't let your body become a storage unit for pain. Again, I understand that it's not fun to come in and talk about painful things at all, but unloading it and outloading it somewhere else is incredibly healthy and brave and worthwhile. I've got some podcast ideas brewing for a podcast on how men handle pain and how when men face their grief. And um, a lot of them want to internalize it and just, you know, kind of be strong and in their mind, just not dealing with it is a way to be strong. But it ends up really being very draining and oftentimes really alters um, their functioning and their feelings for a long time. And inevitably it's going to come out. So, all right, not going to try to keep this too long, but I will say that don't let fear run your life and don't avoid things that you can handle. Um, now there is, there are situations where we really should avoid things. Like I mentioned earlier, sometimes we truly need to set healthy boundaries and, Avoiding something or saying no to something is the healthiest and best thing we can do. But when we're underestimating ourselves and preventing growth and avoiding resolution or closure with painful feelings or losses, then it's most likely not healthy at all. So I think that's a pretty good little two cents worth on this topic. And I hope you got something out of it. And please don't forget, um, you can email me neverperfectbeth at gmail.com. One of these days, I'm going to share a couple testimonials of how some podcast episodes have helped people. Um, I also have Facebook and Instagram. If you just search for Never Perfect Podcast on Facebook or Instagram and would love for you to post comments on there, it would really mean a lot. So thanks for being here today. And I hope you guys have a great week. So I'd like to end today with an amazing poem by Theodore Roosevelt about those who put themselves out there and make an attempt to contribute something to the world, even though they know that there's a chance they might not succeed. It's called The Man in the Arena. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, 
who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. <laughs> 